Taylor, I feel like the last like six interviews I've done have been with just people I stumble across on Instagram. And also, you're a great follow because your stories are fun. I'm so entertained every day. (laughs) It's just the perfect mixture of here's some serious things you need to think about. And also, here's a funny meme that I found. (laughs) I love it. So I'm excited to get to talk to you. I think your story is so unique. And also, it is what this podcast is all about, which is shared experience. But let's just let's start with some basics. So where are you from? What's your family life like? Here's my favorite question. If you were stuck on a plane next to a nervous chatter, and you know what I'm talking about, Taylor, you know, the ones who are like, I'm just going to talk incessantly. I'm talking about myself right now. I'm describing myself on a plane. (laughs) What would you what could you talk for hours about? Let's just kind of do a quick rundown of of all that good stuff. Okay, so I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, Taylor, I have to stop you there. You live in Charleston? (laughs) I do. Oh my gosh, can I move in with you? It is my favorite city, I think. It's the best. Oh, what a time to be alive. I'll be there shortly. Just continue on. I'm going to go pack. It'll be great. Yeah, no, it's great. We're like 10 minutes from downtown, 15 minutes from the beach. It's really nice. Yeah, I live here with my husband. He's a pharmacist at the Veterans Hospital here. We have one son. He is two and a half. Henry. So yeah, I just spend my days momming and writing. And I think the one thing I could probably talk for hours is true crime and like serial killers. I, <laughs> As one should. It makes perfect it would sense. Be, it would be frightening conversation, I think, you know, if someone was trapped sitting next to me on a plane <laughs> for that period of time, I think they would have some questions. They would be telling people about me, you know, after we got off the plane. Like flagging you? Like, hey, this one. Yeah. We should watch her. We should watch this one here. Yeah, they're like texting, <laughs> like looking for the air marshal. On the- <laughs> but yeah, I do enjoy a good tri- crime documentary slash podcast. What, what is your favorite? I think the staircase is oh. required viewing for a true crime fan. So are you on TikTok? Do you skim it? Okay. Like just for a good time, right? But have you been to the true crime side of TikTok? I haven't really. Okay, Taylor, this is where they literally find all, and I get, I go down this hole at night when I'm trying to go to sleep and it's a terrible hole to go down (laughs) when you're trying to fall asleep, (laughs) but they highlight all of missing cases or all this stuff where like this person disappeared here and they still, here's all the clues and they still haven't figured it out. Can you figure it out? There's just this whole little pocket of TikTok that does only true crime stuff. And I feel like it was made for you. You need to look into that. I love it. People think it's silly, but crimes are being solved. Uh, By people, you know, it's happening. I don't think I could solve it. Listen, I don't see, (laughs) I would solve nothing. But (laughs) like we talked about when we started, Taylor, is like, I just firmly believe that experience leads to just new insight. Because when you get the perspective of someone else, it can shift and shape your own perspective. So I know you've had some experiences that have shaped your insight specifically into trauma. And now you use your story to advocate and to bring light to, which is what we all should do with our stories, to bring light to the things no one is seeing to make people who feel unseen seen. Will you just share a little bit of your story and you know how it shaped your passions and what you write about and what you advocate for? So in 2013, I was wounded in a school shooting at a community college where I worked. I was shot through the hand while I was hiding in a supply closet. The person shot through the door and the bullet went through my hand. And so I was trapped in there about five minutes before it was safe to come out. And I had four surgeries. I had about a year of occupational therapy, much longer years of counseling and therapy. So I advocate for gun safety and gun reform, but 
even more than that, in the immediate aftermath of the shooting, I remember feeling just so alone and isolated because I didn't know anyone that had been through what I had just been through. And I remember Googling kind of in the middle of the night, like shooting survivor support group Mm -hmm. near me, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. looking for a restaurant, shooting survivors. And there was nothing. And I thought, I'm never going to find anyone to sit with in this. Mm -hmm. It just felt so lonely. And I ended up in a support group for people who had been through public traumas, some crimes that had happened in our community, kind of things like that. And none of our stories were the same, but we found such solace in one another because even though we had been through very different things, a lot of the things we were walking through were still the same, kind of the patterns of grief and healing and what that looks like and the ups and downs. And I realized it doesn't have to be the same thing, but we can learn from each other and support each other in all types of things that we go through. And so that's kind of what I started writing about because I wanted to invite people in to what I was going through. And I wanted to speak to some of those hurts that sometimes feel so invisible Mm -hmm. to other people and found a lot of of healing and community in that. Was it difficult for you to reach out and say, hey, I'm not okay? Because I think to a degree in, you know, the my friends' lives or families' lives who go through something terrible, it's like you give them a mourning period almost, like a grieving period, and then you're like, okay, but you're fine, right? So was that tough on you to be like, guys, I'm still not okay. I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah, and it was so interesting because in the beginning, you know, I didn't want to go to counseling. I didn't want to go to therapy. And my mom and my husband basically like put me in a car and took me to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so thankful they did that. I don't know that I recommend that method for everyone. but for me, It was, <laughs> it was what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. It was what I needed that push. And I realized once I got started with that, you know, I didn't have to prove to anyone that I needed help. It was very obvious that I'd been through a horrible trauma. The medical attention I needed was obvious the counseling and like emotional mental support I needed was obvious. So I never felt that in the beginning. I never had to say, well, yeah, of course I need help. Someone please help me. I'm not okay. Everyone just knew. Mm -hmm. And I kind of expected it to always be that way. And then as time went on and, you know, weeks turn into months and then it's a year and it's still really hard. It got harder and harder to, let people know, hey, I'm still not past this. I'm not going to be past this. This is always going to be a part of me in some ways. I'm healing, but today is a a really bad day or like I'm really struggling today. It got harder and harder Mm -hmm. because I did feel like I had been given this timeline of, you know, I need to be healed by this day. And people do kind of expect, well, it's been a year, you know, it's, aren't you over it? And no one's saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you good now? Like you went to counseling, right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and no one's saying that, but it starts to fade. And then you feel even lonelier because you're thinking everyone around me is able to move on in a way that I'm not. And they weren't there with me that day. They didn't experience what I did. They can't know. And, you know, it can kind of create those relational tensions, Mm -hmm. too, because I'm thinking, how does no one see this? Like, I'm hurting. And it's really hard. It is. And it it made me really feel for people who 
never had those visible justifications for needing help. How much harder it is for those people who don't have wounds to hold up and say, look at this, I clearly need help. And it it, it did make me all the more passionate about making that okay for people who, who didn't have that like I did. How did how did people in just over the past years and even now, I'm guilty of trying to meet my people where they are and then tell them how to continue through it. Like tell them this is what you need to do and here's your next step. And I'm learning that sometimes people just need you to sit in it with them and to wait with them in whatever period they're in, whatever, you know, season of life. Sometimes they're waiting and they need you to wait with them. When you look back to that, what were some like valuable experiences of people just meeting you in it and not pushing you toward anything else, but just meeting you right where you were? Yeah, I think it can be as easy as listening to someone share with you what's hard and just saying, that's so hard. I am so sorry. Mm. That sounds terrible. That sucks. You should not have to be dealing with this. Those were the most helpful things mm. for me to hear was, you know, you didn't deserve this. This is, this is not the way things should be mm. for you. I'm so sorry. We, we put all this pressure on ourselves to say the right things and we have the perfect things to say. And no one has the perfect things to say. Mm. And so just sitting, sitting there or people that just said, that's so hard. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. What do you need from me today? You know, do you need me to encourage you? Do you need me to listen? I think people think that's going to be awkward just mm-hmm. to say, well, I don't know what to say. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. What's appropriate today? Do you need a calling up or do you need us to just like lament today? Mm-hmm. Do we just need to talk about how terrible this is today? And You know, I think that I'm a much better friend to people going through really hard things. And, you know, I have friends now and if it's a really hard day, if they're going through something, I don't have a problem saying now, what do you need from me today? Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, but what what would be good for you Mm -hmm. to hear today? And if they don't know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You just don't say anything. Just let them know that you're there. You know, we don't need those perfect words. That's so good. Just not needing the perfect words. And also a little bit. I think I just learned that it makes it about me when I'm like, let I will guide you through this. I will tell you exactly when I have not had the experience, I have not felt what they have felt. And it's a little selfish to be like, let me tell you what you need to do. When I am not speaking from any experience at all. Yes. Yeah. You want, and I do this too. You know, I want to be seen as wise Mm -hmm. and helpful. And I want people to feel good about coming to me with what they need to talk about. And, you know, so it is, it's kind of that selfish pride of like, well, I want them to think, wow, Taylor was really smart. <laughs> she gave me some really good <laughs> Look advice. Look at that. Yeah, I'm going to put awesome. that on a pillow and put it in my living room. That's what yeah, I'm so going I, for. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, that acknowledging like, you know what, I'm so sorry. I wish I knew something better to say, but this is what I've got. That is an act of humbling yourself like mm-hmm. to the other person and, you know, letting that be about them. And you're there to up with them in whatever way they need, not whatever way you need. That's yes. make- To feel better, to, to feel make better. you and feel so, like you've done something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of those kind of cliches that we get in these situations, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. These kind of things, they're not really to make the other person feel better. It's just something that is in your mind to say. You feel like you said something. It was sort of helpful. You think it was helpful. You're not yeah. checking to see if they thought it was helpful. You felt like it was helpful. Yeah. yeah. And the other person is like, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And you're like, yeah, that was good. You're welcome. Really you are thing. welcome. You don't have to thank <laughs> yeah. me now. You can thank me later. You're welcome. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so exactly. what has it looked like for you, Taylor, though, to, to use your story, to leverage your story and your experiences, even up to this point, to influence that change, to make known what maybe isn't and to make seen what isn't seen? I think that it's being honest and being vulnerable mm-hmm. and, you know, talking to people online, kind of having a social media presence that often means I'm doing it for and in front of people I don't know very well. Mm-hmm. And so it can be kind of strange to put these things about yourself out there. And, you know, I occasionally have the vulnerability hangover. Some people talk about, you know, you kind of share a story and you're thinking, wow, that was really intense, like personal details that I shared. But then, you know, I get comments and I get messages from people Mm. like I thought I was the only one I felt really alone in this thank you so much and I'm thinking it cost me nothing to invite people in to this hard thing I went Mm -hmm. through today or like this pain I was in today it maybe made me a little uncomfortable but look what I've look what we were able to do through this and I feel the same way when I read those things from other Mm -hmm. people you know I'm like thank you so much for being honest in front of us to build this community and let people know we're not alone. And so, yeah, for me, I think it's, it's being willing to kind of open myself up in those spaces, but to be willing to see the the little fruit Mm -hmm. that pops up from, from making those connections. Mm -hmm. And it is, I've never heard it called the vulnerability hangover, but that's exactly what it is. Those moments when you're like, okay, I'm telling something that's really important and deep and hard for me. But what if someone reads it or hears it and is like, what is she talking about? Why is she talking about that? And it almost is never the case. I mean, it's so rare that someone's like, why would you even talk about that? You know, but we convince ourselves, oh, we better keep this private and secret because people will think we're we're ridiculous or we're too much or whatever. But then you have the people who are like, I was just waiting for somebody to say this and and to see me. But on the flip side, you know, I know you walked through those seasons, like we talked about where people felt like your grieving should be over or your, your trauma um, reactions and everything else like that should be over, you should be done. And you're not feeling very seen and all these people who reach out to you who don't feel seen and don't feel heard. When has that happened to you? But then how did you keep fighting forward? How do you continue to be vulnerable, even though insecurities and everything else tell you not to to keep it hidden? I think because people that have done that, that I have followed or read their words or listened to them speak, I see how much that helped me mm-hmm. years ago when I needed it and still does now. And so, you know, I, I kind of try to take in wisdom and follow people online who are a little bit ahead of me mm-hmm. and much further ahead of me. So I feel like I'm always getting something that I need from people that are willing to take those steps. And so it regularly reminds me, hey, look at how this person is impacting their community, impacting the kingdom of God. And you can, you see how beneficial that is for you. What can you offer to someone else? And so I think it's allowing myself to see those places I'm still hurt or Mm -hmm. still healing from allowing other people to speak into that and recognizing like the value in that, because that's ultimately what I always wanted from my writing or 
sharing my story was I look back and I think I want to write the story I needed mm. or I want to I want to say the words now to someone that I needed you know seven eight years ago that's good mm. what can I do now and and that kind of keeps me going and the other thing too is you know kind of what you said you're always worried people are going to be thinking well why is she sharing that here why is she doing that well I don't think that about other people that's true. Yeah. And if someone is thinking that about me, they probably shouldn't be. Just tap on. Me. Just tap. Yeah. Like it'll like, go away. Yeah. And if they if they do think it, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're flipping through. It's over. And, you know, I just I really pray and firmly believe that God brings the people to the words and vice versa. And, you know, I know that because he's brought me to other people's mm-hmm. words. I just randomly come across online. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I needed this today, Lord. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so I think remembering the goodness yeah. that I see in, in that. Well, and I mean, it's even talking about the people who are ahead of you. And that's the goal of no one told me altogether. There is someone exactly like you're saying, Taylor, there is someone who needs to know that someone else walked through the same thing or felt the same thing. And I think the enemy uses these insecurities of no one really wants to know this or you're you're alone in this to keep us silent on whatever we're trying to work through. And he does his best work when I'm isolated. And so we'll sit in it and we're fully aware of what's happening, but then we don't do anything to change it. And I think it's just claiming that exactly what you're doing of no one else. I didn't think this when anyone else shared their stories. I was yeah. I was better for it. But yeah. let's a little bit off of that. I mean, the book you wrote, Thoughts and Prayers Aren't Enough. That title alone, Taylor, is why I followed you on Instagram, because I was like, that is so good because it's just so concise so why why the title why the book as a whole yeah so i mean i think we see it very specifically in instances of gun violence what i went through this very familiar refrain from politicians especially but we see it from you know people in all sorts of leadership positions you know we're sending our thoughts and prayers Mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers and we kind of use it as a a joke now i mean i certainly do Mm -hmm. like you know when something silly is happening hey I'm potty training, thoughts and prayers, yes. <laughs> like, you know? So it was very resonant with me as someone who's experienced gun violence. But, you know, I saw other things that I went through, like surgeries and you know, all this. We're sending our thoughts and prayers. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. Bye. And um, <laughs> like, okay, cool. And, and so people will kind of say to me, well, do you not believe in prayer? Do you not want people to pray for you? Of course not. I... I love prayer. And I talk about this in the book. I firmly believe that a lot of the things that I was able to heal from my physical injuries, all these things, my survival was a result of all sorts of people praying for me and uplifting me when I did not have the strength to do it myself. Mm -hmm. I very firmly believe in the power of prayer. But the thing is, is like God gives us so much power in the world and so much influence. And we have hands and we have feet and we have minds to think and we have voices to speak. And we can do more. Prayer should be the starting point of what we do, not the end point. It should not be our last act. It should be the first step. And I realized that some people say this and it's very sincere. They are praying. They are thinking about how they can help with other people. It's just something nice to say so that you feel good about saying something Mm -hmm. and you can check it off your list. Mm -hmm. And there's not really any more to it than that. So that's what I'm talking about here with the title, When Thoughts and Prayers Aren't Enough. It's not people who are sincerely praying and sincerely seeking the Lord to help them, you know, do justice and act 
wisely and love their neighbor. It's not those people. It's, mm-hmm. it's this idea that that's enough mm-hmm. because it just simply isn't. And it's, it's not with anything. It's not with people who are walking through terrible tragedy, death, gun violence, whatever it is. It's, it's never enough. And I think we see a lot of examples with that in scripture too. You know, we didn't, you know, the good Samaritan didn't walk by the man on the side of the road and say, Oh, I'm praying. For I'm you. praying I for hope, you. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Hope this turns out well. No, he picked him up and he took him in and he cared for his wounds and fed him. And, you know, we have the power to do that too. And, and I think that it's, we're really putting God and both God and our faith in a, in a box under the bed. If we just say, well, I prayed. <laughs> I prayed for you. But it, that you hit it straight on, Taylor, when you said prayer is where we start. It is not yeah. like our last like, Hail Mary, let's see if anything sticks. It is our starting point. And that's honestly, it, in my life, when God started revealing what I can do, like what I should do, what yeah. he would want me to do. And I think that's just a, such a powerful thought. I mean, there are some people in my life when they're like, I'm praying for you. I know that they are on their knees, face to the ground at the feet of Jesus on my behalf. I know that when they say that, they are doing it with a conviction of spirit of I'm praying towards something and I'm going to be pushing behind you to get it there or whatever it may be. And you're right, especially in the South and you experience it in Charleston, I'm sure. It is our sign off, our go to when we don't know anything else to say. We're like, well, I'll be praying for you, you know? Yeah, and I remember years ago when I said it to someone and I very much felt the Holy Spirit be like, but are you? Will you? Just that moment where you're like, oh, but I really I'm, I need to if I'm if I'm going to say it, I got to do it. You there's, know, there's a hilarious TikTok about this, you know, where the guy's like says, oh, I'm praying for you. And then the other person is saying, OK, pray right now. <laughs> and then God comes in. He's like, yeah, pray. Pray right now. <laughs> and, you know, the guy can't do it. But I. Yeah, I really tried to make it a habit to not, you know, send a text or post the comment that I'm praying for someone unless I actually am doing it in that moment or have like set a reminder to do it because it does become so easy just to say, oh, I'll be praying. I'll be praying. Yeah. And then totally forget. And move on. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, even off of that, you know, on, on socials, you'll see people repost something. And like you said, when there's something extremely traumatic that's all over the news, you'll see people repost it and be like praying and that's it. And a little bit, it's not that you don't believe they're doing that, but it's what you said. What are the hands and feet? What are the voices? What are, what are we working toward? How do you not get angry or frustrated with that insensitivity being that you walked through it? You experienced the very thing that people speak to as if they have walked through it and they have it because there's just a lot of that in our world right now. So how do you practically and gently and intentionally have conversations with those that are disagreeing with you or aren't seeing the reality of what's going on? Yeah. I mean, for me, this is definitely very hard some days, but what is so helpful for me and probably what makes me more suited to have those conversations than someone else is that I used to be that person. I'd never been through a shooting until I went through a shooting. And so for me, it's, it's looking back and saying, I didn't know anything then Mm. you know I I thought I knew a lot of stuff and I didn't and it took you know an event like that for me to become up close and personal with it and it's no one's fault that they haven't experienced gun violence I don't want them to Mm. have to experience it but what we need to do is open ourselves up to saying I have not walked this specific thing so I'm gonna listen to someone else and trust them and trust that I don't know what I don't know and what can I learn from 
from them. So I do think I just kind of am able to have a built in grace or kindness in that way because I used to be on the other side of the issue. And because when you're not daily confronted with something like gun violence or if it's something else, you know, cancer or illness, if you're not having to walk through that daily or with someone who is, you're not thinking about it because you don't have to. And that's not really that person's fault. They just haven't seen the need to put themselves there. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people I hear from, they'll they say things like that, you know, I didn't have to think about this. And so I just didn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't part of my life. It's kind of like, you know, when you, I remember like when I was a teenager, before I got my driver's license, I really wanted a Volkswagen Jetta. Everywhere I went, oh, there's 10 Volkswagen Jettas on the road today. There are no more than there were a few days ago, but you're looking for it. It's kind of like that, you know, when your eyes are suddenly open to something, Mm -hmm. you can't miss it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you do have to be confronted. Um, with it. And Mm -hmm. so if I can play a part in those conversations, I definitely want to do that. It doesn't mean I'm always nice about it. Sometimes (laughs) I do get really mad and frustrated and hurt. You know, there's a lot of hurt for me there when I'm, especially people close to me and they say something or think something and I'm thinking, how do you not see it yet? How, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not always... So Sometimes it just takes well. a little bit of yelling, you know, it does and every now and then. Yeah. And that's, you know, I have people I can do that with and, you know, a safe place for that and kind of regroup. I, I get the yelling part. I mean, listen, we have had some rowdy Thanksgiving and Christmases the past two years. So <laughs> it's a good time at my house. Yeah. <laughs> but Taylor, yeah. when you step back, when you just take a step back and you look at your life up to this point, Is there something that you look at and can like pinpoint or maybe a couple things that you're like, gosh, I wish that I had known this sooner? Yeah, I think one of the most important things I learned after the shooting in counseling with my wonderful counselor, I remember just telling her, I feel kind of paralyzed because I am grateful I survived and people keep telling me it's a miracle you survived, but I'm also in a lot of pain and I am really angry that this happened to me. I'm glad to be alive. I'm really mad I got shot. I'm glad that I wasn't wounded more places, but I'm really frustrated by the limitations now because of my hand. You know, kind of all these opposites I was feeling. I felt really stuck and I didn't know what to do with any of that. And my counselor was so kind and helpful in teaching me that we live in that tension, in those contradictions all the time. And more than one thing can be true. And now it it feels so simple to say, of course, more than one thing can be true at the same time. But for me, it, it felt so extreme. It felt so intense. These emotions, it felt like, how can these exist at the same time? I have to pick one. And you don't. You don't. Mm-hmm. You can be mad and happy at the same time. And you can be sad and grateful. And you can be angry and grateful. You know, all these things can be true. And God is big enough to hold all of those things And he already knows. He knew I was thankful that I had survived. And he knew I was really hurting emotionally and physically because of what happened to me. And I'm just really thankful I had someone walking with me in that to say, this is okay. Mm -hmm. It is okay. And also that, you know, any sort of healing from a trauma or something really hard, what have you, it's just not a straight line. And, you know, I, I see people talking about this more and more, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's not a straight line. It's up mm-hmm. and down. And I understood that to be true. But I think what was really hard for me was when, you know, I'd have a few good days or like a month and I'd be doing real well. And then I'd have a really hard day. And it feels like you've 
failed. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're back to square one. And that's just not true. One hard day, a few hard days, a hard year for many of us, Mm -hmm. you know, this past year, it doesn't negate all that work you've done, all that healing you've experienced. You know, it's, it's not a straight line. It's so true, though. You think you have to start over at square one. But that's with anything in life almost. If you have a bad day as a mom or at work, if you have a failure that something didn't turn out the way it was supposed to, or you forgot something, you're like, well, now I'm starting all over. And it's just not true of anything. It doesn't negate any sort of growth or healing you've experienced. It's not like all of that's erased and you're like, well, now I've got to learn it all again. You know, you put such good words to that thought because I've just never really taken the time to see that because really, I just think it's a reset every time too. It's not a New Year's resolution. It's, you know, it's like January 2nd. You're like, well, I didn't drink water today. I guess I'll wait. I guess I'll never drink it again. (laughs) Like, I guess I'll wait till January 1st next year. My water goal. You know, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's your whole person. It's it's something you're doing every day. And yeah, you don't have to. And everyone's doing it. I mean, everyone's doing it. Everyone is trying and everyone is looking for that growth. And everyone's looking for just the other side of something. Mm -hmm. And I think we're honestly on this side of eternity, we're always going to be looking for the other side of something, you know, we're always going to be looking for more because God designed our hearts that way. And it's okay to want more. But that is so good. And just the the simplicity of it, I think it's probably my biggest takeaway. (laughs) You know, and I think life can surprise us that way, right? Especially, I don't know, in the Christian world, I think we try to make things more complicated than they are. We are constantly searching for these deep theological truths or, Mm. you know, these huge revelations God brings to our lives. But sometimes it's as simple as someone, you know, just saying to you and passing, hey, you can be mad and happy at the same time. Mm. You're like, whoa, like, I can. You're right. Why didn't I see that? And then you take that with you. And, you know, what can you do with that? It Mm -hmm. might seem like a small truth, but how is that going to affect the rest of your life? Who else can you share that with? You know, yeah, it's, yeah just I don't know we make it too hard and so when these little things kind of click for us we're like what's the catch yeah wait <laughs> isn't this more difficult than uh than yeah. you're saying isn't this harder yeah. but yeah. I mean even what you just said you can take that and tell it to someone else who doesn't realize it, it it's just these little pieces I think God gives us these truths to share them and that's exactly what you do through your writing and through even something as simple as just like Instagram of you're just sharing these little seeds of truth and you're seeing fruit from them. And so if everyone would do that, what difference would it make? What kind of difference would it make? Also, how much better would social media be? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we focused more on that side of it. I, I would honestly probably enjoy social media a little bit more. <laughs> and isn't that the whole thing of community and living together and fellowship is that, you know, we're sharing the things God is, is teaching us because mm-hmm. we all have different stories. And, you know, that's how we help each other spur one another on. Mm-hmm. And online social media can be that way too. It's not like some alternative universe. Mm -hmm. And it's whatever you make it. I remember complaining about it to my husband one day and I was like, I'm just never better for it if I spend time on it. And he was like, you control it though. If you're not better for it, then you need to change what you're looking at on it. You get to decide that. I was like, okay, well, listen, I don't need that right now. I just needed you to say, yeah, I agree. How dare you? <laughs> so rude. How dare you say something true? <laughs> well, Taylor, we end every episode with just this one question and people take it all different directions. So don't feel boxed in. But what are you so happy that someone did tell you about? What's something that maybe you're into or something you're learning lately? Oh, gosh. Okay, so... 
I'll, I'll just throw this out there. I think last week or maybe about two weeks ago, this album came out and it's called Faithful. But mm-hmm. it's all these female musicians. But, you know, Ellie Holcomb's on there and mm-hmm. a lot of female singers I grew up with. Amy you Green, had me. You had me at Ellie Holcomb. I mean, and, you could have yeah, stopped there Danielle and I'm like, Wynn I'm committed. <laughs> I think like Rachel Lampa is on yeah. there. All these, you know, people I grew up listening to. And the songs are just amazing. And I've had it on repeat in our house constantly but there's this one song on there called the detour Mm. and you know it's all about these really hard seasons we walk through and that god is in it and he's not unkind to us and he sees us in that and you know the detour is the road Mm. that's where god has us we're not on this alternative path we are on the road god has for us and so i've just been listening to that album constantly it's been such an encouragement to me yes i'm really thankful i saw some people post about that gosh don't we underestimate the power of song lyrics just the turn of our hearts that can happen when we just, yeah. you know, are intentional about what we're listening to with those worship songs or with whatever, like just really poignant written and thoughtful songs, how it can just change your perspective altogether. I mean, yeah. I'm done. And there's something it. about like all these different women coming together and just singing these songs together. And it just made me instantly feel this like sense of camaraderie connection with, like, other yep. women that are walking, you know, in faith and, and especially kind of after a year of like, everyone's kind of been very isolated and apart. I don't know. I think there's just something powerful in that. I'm in. I'm in. I mean, that just, it didn't take much for me. It never does. (laughs) Listen, I'm an, I'm an easy sell on most things. I'll be honest with you. I always say I'm, I'm very susceptible to peer pressure. If I have no willpower, I cannot resist so I'm, I'm very easy yes I'm also like I take on feelings very easily so like if yeah. I walk into a room and everyone's having a good time I'm gonna be having a good time if everyone's sad I'm gonna be sad if you say this is good I think it's good you know like, yes. I have to always put my filter on because I just so easily I'm like yeah me too I'm in yeah, what, do you, what are we doing yeah, <laughs> oh Taylor this was so good yeah. before I let you go let's just tell the listeners how they can find you I know on Instagram I don't know if you have a website honestly I I've only I've lived your life through Instagram. So if there's more for us out there, go ahead and let us know real quick. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Taylor Schumann writes. And then um, my website is taylorschumann.com. And there are links there for my Twitter, my newsletter, to buy my book, all the articles I've written, all those kind of things. It's all right there. All so. the good stuff. And it's not, yeah. listen, taylorschumann.com. I think we can remember it. I'll link <laughs> to it in show notes. But Taylor, <laughs> this was so much fun. I know you're potty training. It is a wild ride. I will say that. I had some friends say, you know, is this a time when thoughts and prayers are appropriate? <laughs> like, absolutely. Is this okay? Listen, just no, you no need thoughts right. and prayers and Clorox wipes. That's all you yeah. need, you know, because yeah. the no. aiming is not there yet. You know, it's not great. <laughs> it's not the best. I We're just, I tell my all the time. I'm like, buddy, it is a very large target. Like, how are you, how are you missing this? <laughs> this is not hard. <laughs> yeah. it's you can do it. I believe in you, Taylor. You can Thank do you it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C.E. Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.